and welcome to The Catholic Journey. This is Deacon Pat coming to you from South Sacramento, and it's a cloudy day today. Uh, There's no rain today. There's a little bit of humidity, but um, it's still a nice, I guess, spring day. And we're getting ready for the fifth Sunday of Lent. And I came across this beautiful homily um, that was written by Father Tommy Lane. And I took that homily and uh, and I adapted it uh, to something that seems like it would be um, more my line of, of my thoughts and my spirituality as well. But really, it is based on his homily. But anyway, I thought I would share it with you. It really reflects on the gospel, and the gospel is the gospel of John, and it's John chapter 8, 1 through 11, and it's where the uh, scribes and the Pharisees are trying to trap Jesus with the uh, sinful woman, the woman that was caught in adultery. And I think uh, some of this homily uh, will provide some material for us to reflect and to apply to our own lives and give us something to contemplate for this weekend to make it a holy weekend, a God-centered weekend, and a weekend especially during Lent where we can think about our relationship with Christ and what we can do to help grow in union with Christ. So let's jump right in. What a contrast between the cruelty of the scribes and the Pharisees and the compassion of Jesus in our gospel. The scribes and Pharisees had no regard for the woman. They were only interested in using her to try to trap Jesus. She was a pawn in their game of chess. They had no regard for the fact that possibly she did not initiate the sin. Perhaps it was the man. But Jesus is full of compassion. He restored the woman again in two ways. He restored her spiritually by forgiving her, telling her he did not condemn her, while also insisting that she not sin again, and he restored her to society by saving her life. No one knows what Jesus wrote on the ground, but some people suspect Jesus wrote the sins of the scribes and Pharisees. Notice also that it was the elders in the group who went away first. The elders had committed more sins. Those who had lived longer had more to be sorry about in their own lives. The woman received forgiveness from Jesus and also received her life back again. Notice Jesus' last words to the woman, Go away and don't sin anymore. Although Jesus has forgiven her sin, he expects her to live a life of grace and union with God from now on by not sinning anymore. Jesus doesn't say that sin does not matter, because sin does matter and damages our relationship with God. So Jesus says, Go away and don't sin anymore. When we receive Jesus' forgiveness, he expects us to live as new people afterwards. That is precisely the attitude with which we are to come to receive the sacrament of reconciliation. It would make no sense to come to confession and confess our sins if we intended to continue committing the same sins again. In our human weakness, we may commit the same sin again, but as we come to confession, if we do not intend to amend our lives, then surely we cannot say that we are truly sorry for our sins. Surely, we can only genuinely say that we are truly sorry for our sins if we have a firm intention not to commit sin again. If we could see into our souls 
and see the damage our sin causes to our souls and to the whole church, we would flee from committing sin. To better illustrate this idea, I would like to read an excerpt of a letter written by Jacques Fresh to his mother before his execution which took place by guillotine in France on the 1st of October, 1957. The 27-year-old was beheaded for murder shortly after he bungled an armed robbery three years earlier. He underwent a conversion experience while on death row, and the publication of his letters touched many, especially young people. Cardinal Lustiger of Parish signed a decree that may one day see Jacques declared blessed. This is part of Jacques' letter. This execution, which frightens you, is nothing compared to what awaits sinners in the next world. It is not for me you should weep, but for sinners who offend God. As for me, I am happy Jesus is calling me to himself, and great graces have been given me. If you could only taste for a single instance the sweetness of the transports of divine love, and could realize the absolute gravity of the slightest offense, God must come first, and do not forget it. He calls you and believes in you. You are rich in his love. Many souls are linked with yours, and you will have an account to render. You must go to Christ with whom you can do nothing. If you seek him, you will find him, but you must seek him with all your heart. Above all, do not seek your own will, but his. As I said, if we could see into our souls and see the damage our sin causes to our souls and to the whole church as the body of Christ, we would flee from committing sin, and Jacques' letter reminds us of the horror of sin. Jesus said to the woman not to sin again, and since sin is so horrible and horrific, we need to take steps to ensure that we do not sin again because otherwise we will gradually drift again into the same sin. The first step to take is to deal with where all sin begins, in the mind. Among Native Americans there's a story of a father who said there were two wolves fighting within him, one bad and one good. His son asked which wolf wins and the father said whichever one he feeds the most. Sin begins in the mind. We need to feed our minds with what is good instead of what is bad. Technology in many forms, in TV, internet sites, and so many other ways often feed our minds with bad stuff that leads us towards sin. Sin begins in the mind. From there it moves on to become an action. From there it moves on to become a lifestyle. Habits are formed, and then it affects us in eternity. Jesus said not to sin again. We need to begin by feeding our minds with what is good instead of what is trash, rubbish, evil, and sinful. I challenge you as I challenge myself. This Lent and before Easter, make a commitment to go to confession if you have not already done so and then to regularly go to confession. To stop exposing our minds to things that draw us to sin. To expose and fill our minds with what is good, holy, and honest. 
and to pray, especially right now, that God helps us to understand how sin darkens our soul, separates us from Him, harms His entire church, and that through His grace and only through His grace that we can be healed, strengthened, and will be able to avoid temptation and sin no more. Thank you for listening to The Catholic Journey. I hope you can reflect on that homily, apply it to your lives, and somehow we continue to strive forward with God's grace to become better human beings, better Christians, and better Catholics. Have a wonderful day, and God bless.